welcome. All right, let's take a few minutes. We'll welcome them. Let's stand up, step out, turn around, shake a hand. Welcome those around you to our service this morning. <laughs> They, they really wanted attention drawn to themselves, right? Okay, I'll invite you to take your hymn book now and turn with me to hymn number 200. Hymn number 200, The Church with One Foundation. <laughs> the church is one foundation. 
couple of things we need to pray for this morning. I'll uh, mention them to you. Uh, if you have your prayer ministry sheet, um, there are a couple folks on there I want to point out. Um, good to have Trish Hammaker with us this morning. Uh, thank you for joining us. She's doing uh, much better, but uh, continue to pray for her. Um, as well as Pat Snyder. Uh, Pat is in rehab now at the Community General Osteopathic Hospital in 297. Uh, doing better. Um, things may, mar may not be going as quickly as, as we would hope or like, but uh, is doing better. And so continue to pray uh, for Pat. And then Tom Rowe, this is Dave's brother, uh, who was in and out of the hospital, who had uh, a few many strokes. Uh, so please keep uh, Tom Rode in your prayers as well, as well as all the rest that are listed for you here on this sheet. There's just so many things we, we need to pray for. So Father, we do come before you this morning once again, uh, thanking you and praising you for the great and wonderful God that you are. And Father, you are that. Uh, you are an awesome God and a sovereign God and a God who is omnipotent, a God in whom can do all things. Lord, the Bible says there's nothing that is impossible with you. Uh, we believe that. Uh, we believe that, Lord, you're able to do above and beyond what we can ask or think. And so, Lord, as we approach you this morning, we approach you knowing uh, who we're speaking to. You are the holy and great God. And, Father, we're thankful that you have allowed us to come into your presence. Father, we don't do that in ourselves we do that through Jesus, the mediator between God and man. Father, we recognize that, that it's only through Jesus that we approach your throne. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Father, that's through salvation, that's through prayer, that's in every other way. We approach you through your Son. And we do it in the power of your Spirit. Lord, it's your Spirit who empowers us, who enables us to be able to live the kind of life that is pleasing to you. Uh, so help us. Father, we've been changed. Uh, we've been transformed. But Father, we're not all that we need to be. So I pray that, Lord, as we walk through life, that, Father, you might walk with us as you promised to do and give us the ability Enable us, Lord, to do those things that bring a smile to your face. Father, we are thankful for answers to prayer. Uh, we look around us here in church and we see those, Lord, who you have touched. Uh, Jesus, Lord, has touched many while he walked here on earth. Uh, he would touch the lame and, Father, they would walk again. And he would touch the, the, the eyes of the blind and they would see. Lord, you have touched knees and hips and ankles and different parts of the bodies of many that are here and Lord you have healed them and we thank you Father we thank you for that we don't know if, we don't thank you enough but this morning we are a grateful people that Father you have raised up many but Father there are still some who suffer on beds of affliction we think of Tom Rowe this morning with these many strokes and I believe other complications that Father you might touch him as well touch Pat Snyder we pray this morning Lord I know she's anxious to get home but Father she she needs to be strong enough 
And so I pray that, Father, uh, you might give her that strength, physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, and help her to gain the strength she needs to be able to get home and be able to take care of herself once again as she had been able to do once before. Father, I think of Ted this morning as well. Touch him, we pray. We're thankful, Lord, for the, the chemo that is working and pray that th at this next doctor report that, Father, it would be a good report. Uh, we think of Dave this morning, Lord, and Father, you have allowed him to pass uh, most of these tests that we have been so concerned about for his certification. And Father, we're thankful that the important ones, Lord, you've, you came through and you allowed him to jot down the correct answers. Father, we praise you for that as well. So all of these things, Lord, we're, we're grateful. Uh, we know, Lord, that uh, you are that great and mighty God. And Father, we have come this morning to see you. Father, help us to focus on the things that are before us. And as we open the bread of life once again, help us to see what you have written Help us, Lord, to understand these things have been given to us to help us to grow. So you are a great God. And now as the praise team comes to lead us once again and lift our hearts emotionally into your very presence. Lord, look down upon us with a smiling face. For Father, we have come to honor and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with us as we sing to our Lord? Never proven by words alone. You come alive in our. 
heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the seas, they sang blessing and honor and glory and power belong to the one sitting on the throne and in the Lamb forever and ever. And the four living beings said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshiped the Lamb. He shall return in robes of light. The blazing sun shall pierce the night. sing we like to do it in a round uh, I don't know if you remember ever singing a song in a round it's been a long time since we've done that um, but all of the women will follow Amanda and the men can follow uh, myself uh, now what we're actually gonna do if we have the words on the screen I better explain this or <laughs> uh <-oh. laughs> the next slide all right perfect so um, the parentheses are going to be the women, right, John? The women. The women. <laughs> the women. Um, yeah, let's, here we go. The men start. The, the men, men start. The men start. <laughs> here we go. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek. You are my all. a precious jewel, Lord, to give up, I'd be a fool, you are my only, oh, now the women join, singing here we go, one. ladies, first verse, you are my strength when I am weak, you are my treasure that I seek. my shame rising again i bless your name you are my all in all when i fall down you pick me up when 
sing it together, Jesus. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Jesus, Lamb of God, worthy is your name. Amen. Great job. For some reason, I'm out of breath. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, what a picture, huh? <laughs> this reminds me of uh, two of, no, no, no. <laughs> you know, I, I really believe in this church. You know, we have a, a great fellowship and, and love for one another. Um, I really believe that. Uh, I know just weeks ago with the spaghetti fundraiser, um, you know, to be able to witness and uh, join in with the laughter and the fun, and it was just a fun, fun evening. And I know we, when we get together, we, we have those good times, and they're greatly appreciated because, you know, the Bible speaks of fellowship. The Bible speaks about getting together and um, eating together. It's a time of, of, um, of great, it's a great time. However, there are um, uh, disagreements among us. Um, there are uh, differing opinions about uh, differing things. Um, I know I've listened at times to you say things directly, or I've heard it through the grapevine. Uh, that we're not always on the same page. Uh, but there are disagreements among us. But that's okay. Nothing wrong with us disagreeing with one another. God has made us differently. We're not all going to be on the same page. Uh, we're not always going to think alike. But what the Apostle Paul does is he explains what we need to do and how we need to think when we do disagree. So, for example, uh, when you hear someone with a different political view than yours, or when someone says, you know, those orange pews. <laughs> I have heard it said that some um, are not necessarily in agreement with the change of communion going to quarterly rather than monthly. I have heard some question the dress or the attire of some who have come to church. What about the drinking of alcoholic beverages? What about music styles and preferences? Are we all on the same page when it comes to styles of music? No. But that's okay. Disagreements are okay. It's just what do we do 
with that. How, how do we handle disagreements? Now, I suppose that you know something I mentioned here, one of these examples, it might have touched a nerve. And if it did so, then you need to listen to what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 14. Because you see, Paul had a situation in his church in which people didn't agree with one another. And so Paul had to deal with that. And so I hope this morning, looking at Paul's situation, it might help us uh, to be able to deal with what Paul calls disputable matters. Disputable matters. So turn with me, please, to Rome. Things got awfully quiet. <laughs> turn to Romans chapter 14. I think I heard a pin drop. <laughs> Romans chapter 14. Let's see what Paul has to say about these, these uh, disputable matters. Romans chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. Now, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you? to judge someone else's servant. To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they give thanks to God, and whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, and every tongue will, will acknowledge God, so then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. The first thing I see in verse 1, when we find ourselves in disagreement, is we need to accept and respect each other. We need to accept and respect each other. Now the context here, there are two groups. There's one group that Paul says is weak in faith, and the other group, 
actually down in uh, the beginning of chapter 15. It says, we who are strong. There's the weak and the strong. And the weak, Paul refers to as the Jewish Christians who are in this Roman church. The strong are the Gentile Christians in the same church. And Paul actually identifies himself with the strong. Now here's the issue. The Jewish Christians were given law. Right? God gave to Israel the law. And now that they have become Christians, they still believe that somehow they're still under that law. Whereas the Gentile Christians, they have no clue what this law is about. They've never been under it, and they're not about to place themselves under the law. But these Jewish Christians who still believe that there's something to say for the law, they believe that they are under dietary restrictions. The law said there were certain things that you could not eat. And so these Jewish Christians now sitting in the next pew to a Gentile Christian, they go to a potluck. And there on the table is meat. And the Gentile Christian takes that meat and enjoys it. For the Gentile can eat anything. The Jewish Christian, however, looks at that meat and says, we're forbidden by the law to eat that meat. And they don't eat it. They just eat vegetables. So we have one group eating vegetables. We have another group eating meat. And Paul says, this is a disputable matter. This is a matter in which you have your conviction, and he has his conviction, and you have to choose what you want to do, you have to choose what you want to do, but certainly accept and respect the decision of another. We call these gray areas, personal convictions, personal preferences. Now listen, let me say what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking, and Paul is not talking, about doctrine. The Bible is clear. The Bible is black and white. The Bible says this is right and this is wrong. We're not talking about that. When the Bible is crystal clear, you must obey it. But the Bible doesn't address every issue. You see, we believe in the inspiration of the Scriptures. We believe in Bible doctrine. And so we would die for that. We will not compromise the inspiration of the scriptures. We will not compromise the deity of Christ. That God became incarnate. That Jesus Christ is the God-man. We will not bend or flex on that doctrine. We will not bend or flex 
when we teach and preach that salvation is by grace and through faith. We stand on that. We live on that. We will not bend or flex on eternal security. We looked at that a few weeks ago. That once a person comes into the family of God, they're eternally saved. We're not talking about doctrine. And we're not talking about those things that are crystal clear in the Word of God. The Bible is black and white. The Bible is 100% true. But what about the issues that are not addressed in the Bible? This is what Paul calls a disputable matter. This is where Christians disagree. This is where one Christian has a personal conviction about this, and someone has a personal conviction about this, and they're not on the same page. At that point, Paul says, we are to accept and respect each other. These Jewish Christians, they were saying to the Gentiles, you can't eat that meat. You eat that meat and you are sinning against God. And the Gentile Christian says to the Jewish Christian, you're nuts. <laughs> That's a good piece of meat. And Paul says to the Jew, stop judging. And Paul says to the Gentile, stop treating them with contempt. You need to accept the personal preferences and convictions of the other. Accept and respect those whose convictions differ from yours. We're not talking about Bible doctrine and those things that are crystal clear. We're talking about the gray areas. We're talking about the gray areas. And then Paul goes on to say, point number two, let God be the judge. Let God be the judge. And he uses this great illustration in verse 4. Uh, he says, uh, you know, who are you to judge someone else's servant? Uh, to your own master's servants, they stand or fall. So Paul uses this illustration of, of the master and the servant. And the master in the household sets the rules. The master in the household sets the standards. The master in the house, he's the one that calls the shots. The problem lies when the servant decides that he is going to set the standards, that he is going to set the rules. Now, what is Paul saying? Paul is saying God is our master, and we are responsible to God alone when it comes to our preferences, when it comes to our convictions. We're not responsible to each other. We're not accountable to each other. We're responsible to God. You know, I had a tape in my library, and it was on a cassette tape. And I had, oh my, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these. And one day I got so tired of looking at them because I wasn't using, using them anymore. And I just took all these cases on the wall, and I just brought them down and put them in the dumpster. And now I'm thinking back about some of those that I wish I still had. And one of them was by Dr. Don Donald Gray Barnhouse. And he took one of the Psalms, one of the, one of the chapters of, of Psalms, 
and he entitled his sermon, Don't Play God for Others. And it was all about judging. It was all about being critical. Don't play God. You see, we often say, you're wrong. You're doing this and you're wrong. That's becoming the master. That's putting yourself in God's shoes. And Paul is saying, let God be the judge. You ought not judge someone else who has convictions different than yours or preferences. Let God be the judge. If you feel strongly about an issue, that's a great thing. Paul says that's a great thing. Follow through with your convictions, but don't impose or force those on someone else. Look at the end of verse 5. I want you to see what Paul is saying. He says, at the end of verse 5, he says, Each of them you should be fully convinced in your own mind. You should be fully convinced in your own mind. Look at the beginning of verse 22. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. This is a matter between you and God. If God has given you a certain conviction about something, it's between you and God. Don't try to force that on someone else. Whereas Paul says, don't look down your nose at someone else who may be doing something different than you're doing. Don't judge them. Let God be the judge. Let God be the judge. And then I also like, and I made this point three, at the end of um, verse 8, look at the end of verse 8. It says, so whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. You know what binds us together? It's the fact that we are all in God's family. We're all part of the family of God. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're part of the body of Christ. And we belong to him and we belong to one another this is what unites us we are all part of god's family i was reading through the book of isaiah a little while back uh, turn back to isaiah chapter 44 look at isaiah chapter 44 i was reading through this and um you know as much as you read the bible um you know you still come to those and maybe it's just age <laughs> but you come to those sections and you say, wow, I don't know that I've seen that before. Now, maybe 20 years I did see it before. I just don't remember that I saw it before. And so it's almost like seeing it for the first time. So I'm reading through Isaiah, and I come to chapter 44. Now, it's talking about Israel, of course. Israel, they are the chosen people of God. But put yourself in the text. All right, think of yourself as I read down through these uh, five verses. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I have chosen. This is what the Lord says. He who made you, who formed you in the womb, and who will help you. Do not be afraid, Jacob, my servant, Jehoram, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. 
They will spring up like grass in the meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. Now listen to verse 5. Some will say, I belong to the Lord. And others will call themselves by the name of Jacob. And still others will write on their hand the Lord's and will take the name of Israel. You know, sometimes you do crazy things. And so I, I, I'm reading verse 5. And it says, some write on their hand the Lord's, which has the idea what? Of ownership, right? Of allegiance. I am the Lord's. And I took a pen and I wrote on my hand, the Lord's. Now, you know, since then it's all washed off. But um, it says here that some write in their hands that we belong to him. We belong to God. That we are owned by him. We owe our allegiance to him. We are his. But we all are. Which brings us together as a family. We are united in that we are part of the family of God. And that's why Paul, back in Romans chapter 14, he then goes on to say in verse 10, since you belong to God and you're in the same family, he says in verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or your sister? Why do you do that? Why would you judge someone that's in your family? Someone that's, that, that belongs to you. Why would you do that, he says? Why would you judge your brother or your sister? Or why, why do you treat others with contempt? Why do you do that? And then what he says later in verses 10, 11, and 12, he says this. Remember, you're going to be judged someday. You yourself you will someday, as we read in verse 12, you will give an account to God. Someday, the Bible says, we will stand before God. And He will be our judge. It's not based on sin, that's all been taken care of, but based on works. Based on how we treat one another. Based on our kindness and compassion and love. The greatest commandment is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And when we judge and we're critical, we're not loving. We're not loving. We're not accepting. We're not respecting. And God says, someday you will stand before me and you will give an account of how you have treated my family. My family. I want to read another verse back in Matthew chapter 7. You know, Jesus speaks a whole lot about judging Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. In the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Charles Erdman, in his commentator, commentary, said this. God judges us with the same severity with which we have shown in judging others. God's going to treat us severely, as severely as we have treated others in our judgment of them. 
Someday we stand before God and we give an account. Now, Paul is saying it's okay. It's okay to disagree. We're never going to agree. Would you agree? <laughs> I mean, we're, we're, we're a church. We're, we're made up of people, uh, differing people, various kinds of people. Uh, we all think differently. We're never, ever going to agree on everything. It doesn't work that way. Paul understands that. He gets it. He says, listen, we will disagree. But when we do, and if it's a gray area, it's not black and white. The scriptures haven't addressed it. Our unity and our fellowship and our relationships with one another are too important to argue over these lesser matters. Our fellowship is more important than the way someone dresses the church. Our fellowship is more important than who someone voted for. Our fellowship is more important than what you watch on TV at home. Our fellowship is more important than whether or not you have a glass of wine before your meal. Our fellowship is more important than your preference to certain kinds of music. We belong to each other, and we are to love one another. And when we get into these disputable matters, let God be God. We all have our personal convictions. We have our personal preferences. But these disputable matters, Paul is saying, should be non-issues. Non-issues. So where do we go from here? Let me conclude by making two statements. Number one, hold tightly to God's truth. Hold tightly to God's truth. When God speaks, we don't compromise. When things are black and white, we can't go against that. We hold fast to the scriptures. We cannot let go of the truth of the gospel. There are some things we cannot let go of. But secondly, hold loosely to spiritual preferences. Hold loosely to your spiritual preferences. Live out your convictions if you're convinced that this is wrong, then don't do it. Because to you it is sin. But don't force and impose your personal convictions on someone else who may not hold the same convictions as you do. Hold tightly to God's truth. Hold loosely to spiritual preferences. Our personal preferences, they do not hold the same weight as biblical truth. We sometimes think they do, but they don't. Your personal convictions do not hold 
the same weight as biblical truth. So Paul says we're a family. And our relationships with one another are far more important than arguing over these things that are disputable matters. And so, Father, we come before your throne this morning, and we thank you. I thank you so much for this church. Yes, Lord, it's true, we might disagree on a few minor things, but, Father, I know that there's a great love and acceptance and respect for one another. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the bond that ties us together, the bond that we find in Jesus Christ alone. That's, Lord, what is important. It's fellowship and love and acceptance and respect with one another. So I pray, Lord, that we might continue um, to have that great love uh, with each other. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, turn to hymn number 207. Uh, Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is like to that above. Let's stand together and we'll be dismissed. 207, hymn number 207. thankful this morning for fellowship. Lord, I thank you again for allowing us to meet together. Uh, we have come together to worship you, but Father, we've also come together to be with one another. And we thank you, Father, for the time that you've given us this morning. Again, these are precious moments when we come together as the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, as we leave this place, that you might help us as the church that scatters out into the world, that, Father, we might um, share your love with one another.
For, Father, the Bible says that they know us as your disciples by our love. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.